Okay, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to This Week in Startups. Today, we have two great segments for you. First up, I interviewed Tome CEO and co-founder Keith Paris. Basically, Tome is text to pitch deck software. Yes, we've been talking about generative AI. Imagine if you could just talk to your PowerPoint, if you could talk to Keynote, Google presentations, whatever it is. Then we have another awesome tactical talk from the Founder University podcast. Jen Ryan, the CMO of Velocity Growth, is going to walk you through how to get started with paid acquisition. You're going to learn how to find and create custom audiences that you can use for ad targeting and then how to create engaging and relevant ads where you can find your competitors' ads and how to see what's working for them. So, hey, listen, you can copy what's working with other folks. So it's going to be an amazing show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub helps all founders build a better startup at a lower cost from day one. Startups get up to $150,000 in Azure credits, access to free OpenAI credits, free dev tools like GitHub, technical advisory, access to mentors and experts, and so much more. There is no funding requirement and it only takes minutes to join. Sign up today at aka.ms slash thisweekinstartups. Clumio, immutable, air-gapped, automated, affordable. Clumio provides simplified backup as a service that helps companies streamline data compliance, optimize long-term data retention, and dramatically reduce their AWS backup bills. Start a free trial to uncover compliance gaps, optimize backup spend, and identify unprotected assets. Learn more at clumio.com slash twist. And Mercury, where innovation meets peace of mind. Now more than ever, startups need a safe place to put their cash. Mercury offers a simple way to manage bank risk and protect every dollar with up to $5 million in FDIC insurance and a money market fund. Visit mercury.com to apply in minutes. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to This Week in Startups. The pace of artificial intelligence is moving faster than any other technological revolution I have seen in my 30 years in the industry. And I'm including in this the explosion of apps in Apple's App Store, the internet itself during the dot-com boom, cloud computing. It's just moving so fast. So we thought, instead of trying to just talk about the news, we'll bring the founders on who are building the future. And just talk about what they're building and how it's going. And then maybe even talk about this pace and where they think AI will be in the next six to 12 months, because every literal two or three days, somebody produces something that the people I know who've been in the industry for, I don't know, two or three decades goes, whoa. And uh, the whoa factor here from people in the know is significant today on the program. Uh, is a founder named Keith Paris. He is the CEO and co-founder of Tome, T-O-M-E. I'm pronouncing it correctly, Keith? Yes, exactly. All right. So welcome to the pod. Tell me, what is Tome? And then we'll do a demo, of course. Uh, thanks, Jason. Excited to be here. Uh, I would think about Tome as an AI-powered storytelling tool for ideas. And uh, what, I, what I mean by that is, um, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about describing ideas using work artifacts you know some of them are pitches you want to make some mm. of them are you know products you want to build at your company and some of them are children's stories you know where you want to put together and tell your kids every night and uh, you know tome is a very simple way 
to tell a wide variety of stories using different modes, whether it's text, video, image, prototype, and more. Awesome. So uh, let's do a demo here. I'm assuming if I wanted to make a pitch deck or I want to make a story to tell my, my daughters before bedtime today, those things involve uh, some amount of text prompting, something that seems to be uh, really in the wheelhouse of this generative AI movement. And then, of course, creating images on the fly, also in the wheelhouse. So it, it sounds to me like you're combining two of those aspects into unique output. Am I correct? Yes, exactly. What are you what is this all built on? Are you using uh, the chat GPT open AI, um, you know, API? Or is it a, another language model you're using for the language side? Uh, so we're, we're using a couple of different ones, to, to be honest. Uh, we uh, are generating our, our story outline from GBT4, you know, in the sense that it's read millions and, you know, maybe billions of stories. So it's <laughs> important to be able to tap into that really large model, get the structure of a story. Um, but then we use GPT 3.5 for the littler things. Uh, maybe you want to rewrite a paragraph or something. And, uh, you know, we're playing with, uh, with Anthropic for things like, I want to rewrite a sentence because it's just really fast. And, mm. uh, you know, we're just trying to use the, the best tool for the, the job to create this customer experience. And uh, this is truly amazing. Like, while you were talking, I was like, well, let me just sign up <laughs> real quick over here. And uh, I just said, uh, I said, what do you want to create? And I said, oh, I want to create a deck for launch fund for our latest venture capital fund. And it went out and it made me a series of uh, looks like eight slides. Introduction to our latest venture capital fund. What makes our fund different? Our investment philosophy, our portfolio companies, our track record conclusion. I mean, literally, if you were going to create a deck, for a venture capital fund, these would be some of the seminal slides. And this blank page experience that people have is paralysis. And, and what you've already done just in the first sentence here is just like, hey, uh, pretty, pretty great start. So I, I don't want to steal your thunder. But why don't you start a demo here? And uh, it also, by the way, added an image uh, to each of these. Um, now, these are not stock images I'm seeing. These are images that were created, and it also put a paragraph on each page to kind of get me started. So all of this was done with ChatGPT4 and then just creating some images sort of and, and putting it into a uh, presentation format. Now, do, were you making presentation software before this, and then you added AI, or was this all at the same time? So, so we were uh, we, we were sort of building this product for, for years. and. Um, uh, you know, I'd say there's a couple of things that we were sort of tapping into. I mean, Henry, my co-founder and I were both consumer mobile people. So, you know, we were really frustrated with the fact that your PowerPoints don't scale to a vertical touchscreen device. Um, you know, we yeah. also were, we were both working at cloud companies. I was, I was at Instagram, he was at Facebook and what, you know, all of our presentations were screenshots of different web services. Mm. Um, and we're like, oh, we got to build something that connects to all of these different data sources. And, um, and then we sort of had this idea of at some point we got to be able to drive this thing using a large ML model. Um, and we, we sort of got this idea because we were reading every deck we could find, you know, on SlideShare, um, from our friends pitching. And, um, there's sort of this like common narrative structure to every story. 
right? Like every startup pitch deck has like a problem solution opportunity arc. Um, you know, if, if you, uh, I love every Pixar movie, but they all have a sort of similar hero's journey. So we're like, wait mm. a minute, if mm. we could find, um, a, a foundational model that had read every story on the internet, um, we could build something, you know, that, that's, you know, truly a, a 10x, uh, mm. gain in productivity. So we were always building the system in mind, thinking it could be driven by an ML model. Um, but we just weren't sure if it would be in 2022 or in 2025 or in 2030. And mm. uh, then the, the, the technology sort of uh, really picked up with GPT-3 and, uh, and we started playing around with it and realized actually this is creating um, you know, meaningful results already. All right, everybody, Tom Davis is here. He's a senior director at Microsoft for startups. He's a former founder himself. Tom, Microsoft has a huge, huge uh, cloud computing, supercomputer, Azure. Everybody knows about that. But you've started to run giant LLMs. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what it takes to run a giant LLM in the cloud. And th this is a lot of iron, isn't it? Absolutely. And really thanks to the partnership that we have with OpenAI. For the last few years, we've been spending a lot of time really building an AI-focused supercomputer. We went back and looked at everything, the GPU configurations, the networking, to really get it right, to be able to run these large language models as uh, uh, and make them available uh, for startups through the Azure service that we now have that you can get through Founders Hub. And so, yeah, it takes a lot of compute power. But we've managed to optimize that. We've spent a lot of time working with startups to help them optimize things as well over time. And as more and more innovations come into this, we will make them available to startups, not just OpenAI, but anyone just starting up a startup. We offer $150,000 worth of credits to, so startups can leverage that and really get going on their journey. The Founders Hub that Microsoft provides offers $150,000 in Azure Cloud credits, all the development tools like GitHub and teams office all that great stuff you get all that for free five minutes to sign up six figures and benefits aka.ms slash this week in startups thanks so much tom yeah fantastic so give me a demo here uh we'll show your screen if you're not watching the video spotify supports our video on this week in startups uh there should be a little video icon you can click or turn your phone sideways or if you're on apple Podcasts, you can search for this week in startup video there's a different separate feed we can go to youtube.com slash this weekend to see the videos uh, as we do them. So, uh, yeah, Keith, take it away. Great. So I'll, I'll jump right into Tome. And um, you'll notice that some things sort of feel familiar, like a slide. You know, you've got some, mm. some slides on the, the left or pages on the left. And uh, some things don't feel familiar. Wait, wait a minute. Where's the, the 16 by 9 rectangle? That's gone. Mm. Um, and uh, you'll also notice that the way you interact with Tome is a little bit different than the way you'd interact with uh, you know, a slide tool that, that that came out in the 80s, right? There are some things that you can directly manipulate. There are things you can add, but you also have this sort of command system mm. um, where you can, you know, take a document, turn it into a presentation, you can add a page, you could, uh, you know, maybe add a tile, like a Figma tile, if you want to show off your design work. And, um, you know, we're going to go into create a presentation. Um, and you know, in the old world, you'd have to look up a template that someone made years ago, try mm -hmm. to find something that's roughly matched what you were trying to do, um, and then, you know, edit it and modify it. But the, the way Tome works is that you can just tell Tome what kind of presentation you want to make. 
you know, one I had queued up was a, a fundraising pitch. We have a lot of mm. early stage founders building pitch decks and um, you can write as much or as little as you want and uh, we'll try to fill it out for you. And, um, you know, you can see here, you can either Let me ask- Make sure you read that prompt there, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a fundraising pitch for a company that makes telescopes, that takes beautiful images of planets in the night sky. Um, okay. And by the way, the aesthetic feels a little superhuman-esque. So I, yeah. you have this sort of like command K, you kind of uh, in the middle of the screen, instead of just having to navigate the file new menu, like in the Microsoft or- apple you know google offices kind of thing it's just like here's a, all the commands in one location just go ahead and start typing a command and, and we'll figure it out with you exactly exactly yeah. and you know, we're, we're building more controls where um i'm the sort of person that prefers an outline where mm. i just want the prompt and I'll, I'll write my own story or you can you know choose a descriptive story if mm. you want um and then you know you can choose the aesthetic if you'd like and what then are examples just, of the aesthetic there Oh, great question. You know, you might want fantasy. You might want mm. some watercolor. You might want some pop art. Um, Cyberpunk, my favorite. Exactly. <laughs> my personal favorite. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're adding more and more controls here um, just because, you know, a lot of folks are not sure what they can type in. Mm. Um, that's, uh, and that, then you can hit enter and you can sort of see on the screen, we're first creating the structure um, and then we're filling out each page with you know what what we think should be there um uh, some example contents and uh and, and an image um and you can sort of see in seconds I'll, I'll go through these pages first we created this outline you know your mm -hmm. pitch you should probably talk about your telescopes your mission your team um and then on each page you know we uh generate an image for you you know using dolly at the moment and uh, and some example text mm -hmm. and now the the really fun thing about tome is um Maybe this isn't exactly what you want. Um, you can this sort of being the R impact page, so we're on yeah. the R impact page. And you're like, ah, maybe this copy doesn't make sense. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So you can you can type in and edit it just like a you know an editor like you would in Google Slides, um, or you can sort of ask Tome to help shape this for you. And you're like, wait a minute, I actually want to uh, I want to reduce that. You know, I, I, this is the button I wish I had um, at or when I was at Instagram. I'll just make this a little shorter. Um, mm. and then it rewrites and then you're like, ah, so we'll take sure the four sentences and make it three, take three sentences from 12 words each down to nine or something. So kind of doing a little Hemingway on it. Just let's make it a little simpler. Let's make it a little tighter. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, maybe this isn't exactly what you want, but, uh, but you just want to see another version of it. You can hit mm. try again. It's kind of like working with a friend, right? You're riffing, you know, um, yeah. and, uh, and then, you know, you can, you can add stuff to it too, right? And like, I don't really like this, this sort of, uh, layout. So I'm just dragging this handle in the middle, making the image bigger or smaller. Um, you know, we've sort of designed the system so that you don't have to think about the layout. It just sort of mm. works. Um, but then It'll you click it into a format that makes sense. So, Im it, you know, image aligned, right, text left, image on top, text below. It, it basically is a, a bit more intelligent than just randomly drop it and make it look ugly it's going to snap it into some sort of logic and, and, and is that ai doing that or is that just you uh doing some a basic decision tree it's a it's a good question so uh this is all a decision tree with with heuristics but the next thing we realized with our growth is that we have you know, millions of these being created each week uh mm. so now we're going through the process of labeling 
um, all of these these anonymized layouts, and you know, very soon we're going to be able to to use um, machine learning to generate the perfect layout, Got depending it. on your content. Um, so that's sort of one piece. And then you know, in building your telescope company, you might want to add a, uh, a prototype to to, mm. to to show like what's this like. So I can, uh, for example, I'll drag this web tile that you mm -hmm. know terms based on this tile system into the page. And um, let me grab, let me grab a, like a 3D model, you know, so I'm, I just went to another tab, I opened up this uh, product called Spline, a lot of folks use for, for 3D work. And then I can go back here and just paste this prototype. Mm. You know? and, and it that, knows that format and it makes a nice clean embed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. And, we, and we, we play with it so they don't flicker and refresh and, you know, all of the things that you don't like about, about embeds. Um, so that's that's what it's like to to construct a story, and I'll show you one more thing if uh, if if, I, if you're up for it, Jason. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> um, so one of the most common workflows that, that that our customers have is, you know, they're like, I've already written what I want to say. I've written the story I want to tell um, in a document. Um, ah. So can you t ingest that document and turn it into a presentation instead of using you know, the corpus of content that GPT is trained on. Um, so, so I could take a book, I could take a PDF, a report, a deal memo, a long email, a notion page, whatever it is describing our project, we're gonna we're gonna do our, uh, you know, parents 50th wedding anniversary, and we've made a bunch of uh, items and, and have subheads, etc. I can just upload that and have it go to work. Exactly. Exactly. Makes so sense. I'll, I'll grab a, a a notion doc I have around of mm -hmm. uh, this is about nuclear energy. You know, it's sort of okay. a, a sort of heavy piece. Uh, you know, and you can tell it's uh, pretty unstructured. It's all sort of like narrative prose. And um, I mean, it's twenty par dense paragraphs. It has no headings except for the title. Yeah. So you're dealing with something that is not structured. Exactly. We're not so, highly structured. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going to copy that. Go uh, go back into Tome, open this command menu on the right, and hit document to presentation. Mm. And um, now I'm just going to paste this here. Uh, you know, and it, it, it sort of keeps the, the structure that's there. And now I'm going to hit the, the generate button here. And we actually read the whole document, understand it, break it up into parts, and then summarize, um, you know, the contents on each page. Hmm. And, uh, you know, this was, this was possible before, but uh, honestly, with the huge context window in GPT-4 that sort of came out in the past few weeks, um, we were able to make this really good, really fast. And so when you look at this, you know, we, we had a bunch of paragraphs without subheads mm -hmm. and now it's made, uh, it looks like an eight or nine tights, not eight to nine slide deck. But it's really said, hey, here's the importance of nuclear energy, research team and presentation, electricity sector and cost implications, recommendation for construction and technology, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's figured out what each paragraph is about or so and then did this. Now, you said this is some contextual uh, feature of GPT-4. Can you explain yeah. what that is and, and what it enables? Yeah, yeah. So um, I would say with the, some of the older foundation models, um, you had this, this context window where you could share you know, something about the document or, or something about what you're trying to create as well as the prompt. 
And uh, the sort of problem with the, 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 the language models from last year was that you could only maybe put three or four pages in there. So we, you know, we, we would need to be really creative for your 25 page memo, right? Uh, where we would need to summarize it and chop it up before we could understand the, the whole document. But, mm. um, you know, with, uh, with GPT-4, you know, we can read 25 pages at a time. Um, so now we just have like this much deeper understanding of what you're trying to say so that we can capture the, the essence of it and break it up. So here's a question for you. Um, could you take another aesthetic, mm-hmm. an unnamed aesthetic, and then give it to your software and say, hey, and I just did one, I just did like a cyberpunk, you know, Tokyo kind of situation. And if I said, here's the URL of this cyberpunk, there it is. Here's a Pinterest board, um, yeah. which is, you know, people create mood boards on Pinterest. So here's a mood board. It's cyberpunk Japanese neon kind of aesthetic. You can you can imagine it yourself, uh, which is how Ridley Scott sort of imagined Los Angeles. People would be speaking some combination of Chinese and Spanish. I think they called it Changlish. Uh, was the what you hear some of the police officers uh, speaking in Blade Runner? So if I gave you that, are you at the, the point where you could say just try this style? And here's a URL to get inspired by, or is that next? I would say that that is next. Um, it, it's exciting because it's it's possible now, right? Mm. To be like, here's a board, here's an image. What's the style? What's in it? And now let's create a prompt to create more. And yeah. I would say we're we're months away from that, not years. Well, I mean, and so if I said write it in the style <laughs> of Michael Lewis or Malcolm Gladwell, mm. could you do that yet, or is that another kind of concept coming in the future? I would say that we're, we're very close with, with some characters, um, mm. which is to, to say that, you know, we could rewrite it uh, in the tone of Elon Musk uh, because <laughs> there's just enough content from him that have trained yeah. these foundation the models. Tweets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the tweeting style of Elon Musk. <laughs> could get dangerous quick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it raises some, some interesting questions of, you know, should we even let people do that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it'd be exciting. I mean, you could yeah. also just take a... I mean, I assume you could just take uh, a video, a YouTube video of Sam Harris giving a talk uh, and say, you know, well, uh, or Christopher Hitchens and say, you know, I want this to be clever like Hitch or I want it to be more somber like Sam Harris or I want it to be more enthusiastic and wacky like Jordan Peterson. It was kind of interesting to apply styles and it will be super interesting when it's not a drop down of the styles, it's you know, give us three examples of style and let us go from there. Here, I, I want to write like Stephen King, you know, I want to write uh-huh. like Ernest Hemingway. And that to me is really interesting. Same article, but, you know, using different styles. Are you trying to build the next Uber or Robinhood? I hope so. Well, here are three important tips here. First, make sure your data is protected. Obviously, remember, just because your data is in the cloud doesn't mean it's automatically backed up. Your data is your responsibility. You got to make sure it's backed up. Second, don't let backups and compliance requirements distract you. Let your engineers focus on product innovation, not writing scripts for compliance audits. And when it comes to backups, the major players have major limitations like snapshots. If your account is compromised, your backups are compromised. But Clumio stores your backups on a different server. So if your main account is compromised, your backups are always safe the way it should be. And third, 
take control of your cloud costs. You'd be surprised how much of your storage costs come from backups, snapshots, versioning, and replication. Or maybe you're, maybe you wouldn't be surprised because you've seen these <laughs> jaw-dropping bills. Well, Clumio can help you with all three of these important points. They provide turnkey data protection that is air-gapped, immutable, and cost-optimized. Clumio has saved customers over 30% on backup costs while putting security and compliance on autopilot. Visit them at clumio.com slash twist to start a free backup or sign up for a demo. That's clumio.com slash twist. How do you think about training data sets? Do you believe you provide the data sets or you empower users to do it? Where's this all going to wind up in the, in the coming weeks, months, years? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So, so I, I think, um, you know, we're, we're both a, a consumer. Well, we're, we're both a consumer and an enterprise company. Mm-hmm. And I imagine, you know, for our, our consumer offering, we're going to continue to use these sort of large base models. Um, and, and you can get pretty far with them. You can sort of mm-hmm. get stuff that, that, that feels sort of globally compelling. Um, but the, but the most common ask that we get from our customers that are using Tome for work is wait a minute. I want to train these models on what's in my Google Drive. You know, I want to train these models on what, mm. you know, what's written, uh, the data in our data warehouse. And I want you to use the facts that we hold to be true. Um, and do you have customers doing that yet? Have you, have you, because it feels, this feels very single player mode, not enterprise mode yet. Mm-hmm. But have you gotten to the multiplayer, multi department, multi international? company mode where you know a google says hey here's our style guide or apple probably be more evocative example but hey here's the apple style guide here's examples of you know maybe perhaps the words canonical like just the the here's the origin text of steve jobs and how he speaks and how our copy editors write and just try to keep it towards this aesthetic and this type of copy has an enterprise done that yet yeah, so we're working with a couple of uh, larger companies, but we're in the very early phase of mm. sort of doing this by hand. Um, actually, a very common ask they've had is, you know, when you're at a giant company, uh, the CEO or the, the leaders like to be presented to in a certain way. And mm. and, and that yes. sort of g- gets an outcome. Like when I worked at Facebook, there was definitely a way to write a memo so that Mark would read it and, and think well, t- about tell it. Tell me about that. Unpack that. What, would it, what, was, what was Mark's memo style? Oh, it was, uh, it was definitely sort of terse um factual you know he wanted to see the data up front and was sort of looking for this really pragmatic recommendation and um and it was crazy because uh you know that's sort of tribal knowledge right mm. you you only know that if you were high up the, at meta right and you had spent a bunch of time with mark and the sort of promise with wh- where ai is going wait a minute we can take this thing that only only mark's direct reports know and sort of make it available to anyone at a company who has an idea to share. Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, you know, there is an enti- there are entire books about Netflix. I don't know. Um, I've had Patty McCord on this podcast, um, and there are two just really great books about Netflix's culture, as just but one example. And they have a culture deck, and then they have no rules rules, um, which Erin um, Mayer did. She was also on the program. I haven't had Reed Hastings yet. Patty McCord had hers and uh, then Reed Hastings did one this no rules rules Netflix and the culture of um, reinvention so you take those two books you take some interviews with those individuals like having Patty or Aaron on this podcast 
you start to put that together with the culture deck and man, you got a really interesting internal AI base. Then you take Bezos's 20 letters that he's written over time and you can really start to understand some things about business, I think, um, that are particular to the organization. That's kind of brilliant and proprietary and people don't want to share that. So I think if I was going to, man, if I was an investor in your company, which seems like I missed the window, uh, how much is the company worth? Now, you guys raise a lot of money. Is it this AI thing? You probably were toiling away telling investors you're doing a presentation software layer and they ignored you. Then you added AI to it and now they must be knocking your door down at South Park. What's going on with the, uh, <laughs> tell me what it's like to add the, the AI pixie dust in 2022 and 2023 to your product. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a good question. You know, we, um, we were building this for years and, uh, we sort of were, were selling people on um, building better collaboration and editing software. And it's the sort of thing where, um, you know, if you play with Tome, if you're in it for hours, you start to recognize the value of the format um, and all of the non-AI parts of it. But, you know, we, we had the, the hardest time selling you know, the average person on, hey, this is a better way of sharing ideas versus you know, using PowerPoint or, or using Google Slides. And, you know, when we added that AI component, it just became so clear to, to everyone, you know, investors, customers, students. We, we have a ton of students using Tome. Wait, wait a minute. This thing is different. Mm. And, um, you know, in the past few months, we, we sort of went from a couple thousand folks using Tome to, uh, you know, a little over three million. Um, and, and growing. And, you know, as a result, uh, we've, we've had, uh, you know, a lot of investors, uh, sort of interested and, uh, you know, over the holidays, uh, as we were growing and we sort of had this, this hockey stick moment, uh, we were, we were lucky enough to be approached by some great folks to, to get our series B done. Amazing. $300 million valuation, $40 million raised with yep. just a handful of paying customers. It's an amazing time. How do you deploy that capital intelligently and get from, wild enthusiasm and sky high valuation to filling in that valuation because you need to have for that valuation to work as a public market company you, you know you're going to get a 10x multiple not a whatever multiple 3000 300 whatever you wind up getting here how do you fill that in it's a good question um i mean w one of the things that's really exciting about the space is if you truly have a 10x better product uh, the internet just finds it yep. you know which is to, to, to say true, yeah. that the, you know, we grow a ton from TikTok, Instagram, um, Twitter, people sharing tomes on the internet. So a lot of our work right now is just deploying that capital for the product to catch up. You know, we're just to say yeah. that we're, uh, we're, we're, we're building a real AI team. We just made, made our first head of AI hire. Um, we're, we're tuning models. We're, we're sort of moving on to dedicated GPUs so we can be blazing fast and, and reliable. And um, starting to scratch at the surface now for this, this really differentiated enterprise product. Mm. You, you know, um, a couple of years ago, uh, when I was incubating this at Greylock, uh, Reed asked me to uh, present Tome to a bunch of CIOs. You know, and at first they were like, oh, great, another productivity tool that we're going to have yep. to pay for. And, um, you know, over our dead bodies uh, <laughs> that we're excited about this. But now that the landscape has changed, you know, I, I think those buyers and 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 those those company leaders, like, wait a minute, I can see how I could save hours and hours of my team's time here, and um, they're way more open 
to an enterprise product now than, than than maybe they ever were. So we're just trying to build the product, catch up, and sort of discover this this enterprise motion on top. Yeah, um, talent. Are you able to find talent, uh, yeah. or do you have to go uh, make talent at this point? Because there are so many people who are looking for ML AI. It, it, I, there just can't possibly be enough people out there who've worked on this stuff. Uh, it's kind of like asking people, you know, at the beginning of Bitcoin, you know, uh, I need somebody with 10 years in crypto. And it's like, well, crypto has been around for 18 months. So generative AI has been around for a couple of years in terms of, you know, beyond the early 100, 200 people working on it. So how do you how do you staff something like this in a market like this? Yeah, it's uh, it's gotten a lot easier. Yeah, mm-hmm. or just to say, um, you know, I, I think about when we started the company in, in 2020 and uh, there were. An abundance of startups. Uh, everyone was sort of connected to their golden handcuffs in the mm. in the public companies, and yeah. um, you know it was hard. I, I think the one of the couple of things that have changed are that everyone's public stock comp in these po- in these giant companies has come back down to earth. And mm. um, the other sort of exciting thing is that you know to really be inventing in this space, you want to be at a startup. You mm. want to be at a place that's willing Agreed. to to do the imperfect thing that doesn't have managers of managers of, uh, you know, ethics committees. Uh, so we're getting so many folks coming from Google and meta being like, Hey, I want to build, you know, I want to, I want to build. And it seems like you all are moving at at light speed compared to, to what I'm used to. Was it like that your, your last couple of years there at the, uh, at the Facebook corporation? Was it, you know, like Mark is saying in his memos now, hey, we got to get back to pushing product and we got to get rid of managers, managing managers, managers. What, what were you in the thick of that managers, managing managers conundrum that he seems to have fixed now? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it was sort of happening. Uh, it was they were boiling the, fl- the frog slowly, right? We're just <laughs> to say that uh, during my early years there, uh, it was all about creating value and speed. Hmm. And, you know, I remember this, uh, this poster that said code wins arguments, uh, mm. and it was all about, you know, being action oriented and getting stuff out. And then at some point, um, I think it became more about protecting what we had. And that's when, you know, there were managers and process and, and all of these safeguards put into place and that sort of slowed things down and slowed things down to the point where it just became, you know, really hard to, to create anything new. Or, or sort of move against the grain. Listen, as a founder, ensuring your cash is safe is priority number one. It's been a bit crazy out there. I don't want to put caps locks on right now, but I will if you need me to. The FDIC $250,000 limit is just not enough for most businesses. So let me tell you about Mercury. Through its partner banks and sweep networks, Mercury customers can access up to $5 million in FDIC insurance. That's 20 times the per bank limit. Sounds a lot safer, doesn't it? Well, these sweep networks protect your deposits by spreading them across multiple banks, which limits the risk of any single point of failure. And with Mercury Vault, any funds above the FDIC limit can easily be invested in a money market fund, mostly comprised of US government backed securities. So it's easy to get started 
with opening an account. You can apply in minutes and many customers are approved and onboarded in less than two hours. Mercury also offers great resources for founders, including my favorite Mercury Raise. This program connects founders with investors to help them raise funds. Head to mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups. Mercury is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services are provided by Choice Financial Group and Evolve Bank and Trust. Members, FDIC. Mm. Amazing. Uh, well, listen, continued success with this. It's really impressive already. And the pace is getting faster and faster. Uh, as we wrap here, do you have concerns about how fast this is moving? Uh, we were talking about it just on All In yesterday. And, you know, people are creating auto gpts uh to go do essentially like cron jobs to be out there prompting other ais and prompting each other and adding items to task lists and that is for people who are listening you know imagine you asked a chat imagine you asked you know this product hey make me a presentation and then it said and then give me the objections that people would have to funding the startup uh and then put those objections answer those objections in the deck and then present it to you know uh, venture capitalists like these and then uh you know answer those objections and it just keeps going on forever uh <laughs> you know doing these kind of prompts and making various versions obviously can be used for nefarious purposes too you could be doing exploits and you know trying to have it attack vulnerabilities and phishing or human factors engineering uh, lo lots of different weird things it could start doing so are you worried about this stuff and the pace it's moving that hey move fast and break things might might break too many things or do you think it's a little farcical to get that concerned um i, I would say there, there there's a lot to be concerned about um and uh you know the, the, there's a wide variety of things i mean one we didn't even get to hallucination right and yeah. explain um, that to the audience um because yeah. that's super important yeah for sure i would say th the 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 simplest way to talk about how these fun, these large language models exist is they've read a ton of content and now they're trying to predict the next word or the next sentence um relative to what's been written and um you can imagine when you're just trying to predict the next word or the next sentence or the next concept that sometimes it just makes up something that you know isn't really grounded in in facts um and, uh, you know, we're working on a bunch of clever ways to work through that. But for example, we've, uh, we've built this classifier that understands if something's a claim, you know, so we're, we understand if GPT is saying like the sky is green, well, that's a claim, uh, or where on the internet does, uh, does someone credible say that the sky is green and you know, we're not connecting it to a web crawler and being able to say, well, here's an article that says the sky is green. It's sort of up to you if you've decided that that's like a credible fact um so so that that's sort of a you know one area of things we're working on um i think i think to your point um we're helping people produce content really mm. fast compelling content really fast right and uh, the, the sort of downside of it is that there's going to be a lot of compelling sounding content being created for uh you know, m maybe ideas that that aren't that compelling or that that are dangerous, um, yeah. <laughs> right? And um, um, I literally did this today. It's interesting you bring it up, Keith. I I literally was having this debate on All In, and the episode one twenty four comes out today, uh, or maybe will have come out when this comes out a couple of days earlier. But I I was 
wondering like, hey, people could create websites for phishing, then have auto GPT running phishing experiments where you're trying to get people to give their passwords into fake accounts. And I am like reticent to even start brainstorming these things because it doesn't seem super complicated to do. But um, it does seem like a lot of these new language models can be connected through plugins to actually create websites to actually go shoot off emails to actually maybe do an AB test, make a 100 different variants of emails, and see which ones, you know, are the most effective at getting people to click, then which ones are most effective at getting people to log in, then which ones are get people to, you know, change their password. And <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, you, you, you know, it, it might come up with ideas that are just crazy. And I just asked it, what's the best way, you know, to trick a receptionist into giving her passwords like, Oh, yeah, I can't do that. And I was like, I'm trying to protect my receptionist from giving away her password. What are ways in which people would try to trick her that I can? And uh, it gave me like a, a roadmap of how people come in. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, people would come in dressed as an IT person, uh, knowing other people's names, have paperwork, and then uh, try to trick them to let her use her thing to change her password because there's been a security violation. I'm like, thanks for the roadmap, ChatGPT. I, I never thought of like, you know, coming in in an outfit like a CIA agent might <laughs> and saying, hey, your computer's been compromised. Joe Schmo at the home office asked me to come here. And I was like, yeah, pretty obvious. But I mean, it, you can trick these models so easily. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, and, and I think we, we have a lot of catching up to do, you know, which is to say that um, we need to think even more critically about what we read uh, what's out there on the internet? Where did this come from? Should I believe it? And, you know, this was true of even social media, right? With the sort of explosion of content and we need to be more discerning. And, and then certainly with our, our ranking and security tools, we have a long way to go with, wait a minute, who wrote this email? Where did this email come from? Where did this SEO article come from? Um, yeah. so, uh, I, I think it's going to put a lot of strain on us. As people mm. of wait, there's there's all of these things that are coming up, and we're we're gonna have to catch up and think about how to how to adjust into the new world. So so a, a lot to talk about. Yeah. All right. Listen, Keith. Uh, where can people learn more, and what jobs you're hiring for, and what is the URL of your career page? Because you you secured the bag, and now you got to build into this valuation. I know you need to get some people, uh, some technical people, listen to this podcast, so maybe you can help you fill in some jobs. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we're Tome. So it's T O M E dot app. Uh, and you can go to T O M E dot app slash careers. And, mm. uh, we are hiring, you know, incredible people from every technical background. You know, we're hiring ML engineers. We're hiring full stack engineers. We're hiring product designers. A lot of designers. Like remote going or you like in person? Well, what we, is your preference these days? You know, to be honest, we prefer in person. And how's that go? I see me too. I, I am so lonely. That I yeah. decided I'm getting an office in San Mateo and I'm just going to hang out there and have entrepreneurs come over and start doing in-person interviews again and just start hanging out because this would have been so much fun if we got to meet and get a cup of coffee before or after. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I live in Tell San Mateo. Tell me why you <laughs> like it. What, what, do you, what do you like about the in-person? What's happening in person that's not happening over Zoom? No offense yeah. to Zoom. Great problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say a couple of things. You know, one, we're, we're a creative company and um, so much of what we build is because we get in a room and talk about, is this the right thing to build? And are people mm. going to love it? And that's so much easier when you're sharing a table, when you can get on a whiteboard, when you can look into each other's eyes. And, yeah. you know, maybe when, after you've had a, a, a big intellectual debate or fight, you can, you can grab a meal after 
and sort like of talk it. it over. Um, and we found that, you know, we, we have a, a couple of great remote employees, but it's just so easy to get mad at the person who you're only seeing through Zoom or to misunderstand what they're really trying to say. And, and we figured, you know, we're a 40 person company versus teams of like 10,000 working on this at, at, at Google and Microsoft. We just have to take every advantage we can, we can get. <laughs> yeah. I, I think in person is going to make a major difference. Uh, for the startups that can get that going. Now you lose the fact that you might have somebody who lives, uh, you know, in Lake Tahoe that refuses to come to an office and they're just a 10 X engineer, but there's something weird happening. Uh, let's end on this one. Are you finding that the prevalence of 10 X engineers is increasing because of, uh, you know, chat GPT four and other tools, you know, copilot, GitHub copilot, whatever. To, to make people a little bit more bionic. Uh, this is something I'm starting to hear from my portfolio companies is like, you know, developers are getting faster. And it's not just the 10 Xers, we got people who were rank and file engineers who are now starting to trend towards 10 X, maybe they're at three X, you know? Yeah, I, I would say uh, I'm, I'm noticing this in, in a couple of ways. One, it's it's really easy to ramp up on a new language or a new style of doing things You're using replit, you're using GitHub Copilot, you're reaching out to people in communities. Uh, so, so that's certainly true. Uh, another part of that is all of the technology we're using is brand new. So it's really your ability to ramp up and keep, you know, keep your ear on the ground that, that matters versus, you know, having been a classically trained research scientist from, from 10 years ago. Uh, so that's sort of shifting things. And, and certainly if you're resourceful and you're connected to a lot of people, you'll do better. Uh, and maybe the last thing I would say is that when, when I think about a 10x employee at Tome, it's not just the amount of code they write, their ability to work with everyone around them. And um, you're sort of leaving a, a huge advantage on the table by being a remote only employee when it comes mm. to sort of collaborative productivity. Uh, so I'd say those are sort of the, the things that, that I've noticed are changing in the, the past few months. And you were working at Meta when they went remote during COVID and you worked there before uh, it was remote. You experienced yes. both of those things. Yeah. And it, it changed, didn't it? Yeah, it changed so much. It, it it changed so much. You know, I um, I think when you're an early stage startup, and uh, sorry, I should I shouldn't speak in generality. When you're our sort of early stage startup, it's not like we, everyone has clear swim lanes and clear milestones, and you can just you know shut off Slack and work mm. for two weeks and come back. We're sort of figuring it out as we go along. We're getting so many new users. Where the technology is changing, we're getting new feedback. Um, so, so I, I think sort of giving up on that high bandwidth communication, uh, just felt like the wrong trade-off for us. Yeah, I agree. All right. Listen, everybody go try this product. It's mind blowing. Number two, go work for the company. And, uh, number three, yeah, maybe you got to think about getting your talented people in a room and start working together a couple of days a week at, at a minimum. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time on this week. Starbucks. Thanks for coming on. Keith. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Okay, thanks so much, Keith, for joining the show. Next up, we have another awesome talk from Founder University for you. This is the talk on how to get started with paid acquisition. It's a great episode. And what you're going to want to do is just do a search in your podcast player or YouTube and search for Founder University so you can find the rest of these tactical talks we've done. So next up, paid acquisition. Listen and learn. Hi, my name is Jen, and I'm the co-founder and CMO of Velocity Growth. 
I specialize in paid advertising and have helped companies across Europe and the US grow their business online. Today, I really want to give you the high-level strategy thinking you need to position your thoughts towards in order to really grow your business through paid ads. A huge portion of this is actually just making sure you know your customer inside out. But working off the assumption that you've already taken the time to really listen to your customer, here's where to start. So this is my favorite phrase that I like to kick off every presentation on advertising with. People have the misconception that advertising is intrusive. But have you ever hated your favorite brand for showing you an ad for your favorite product? Probably not. Have you ever hated the ad for that game you'll never play? Absolutely. Why? Because relevancy matters. People don't hate adverts. They hate irrelevant interruptions. So what is the trick to resonating with your audience and actually growing your business in a cost-effective way through marketing? That's what we're going to dig into. There's multiple components to relevancy. The core of advertising is to get in front of the right people at the right place at the right time with the right message. But at different stages of your marketing, you don't need to get all of these right. But these are the key points you have to touch on in order to reach the conversion point. But you might be bringing in awareness. And when you're looking at growing the awareness of your brand, you're really focused on two things. Hitting the right people with the right message. You're in the planting a seed phase. Your focus is finding your people and hitting them with a message that helps them remember you. And then as you move them down the funnel, you want to start thinking about hitting them at the right place where they encounter the problem that your solution fits, for example, or in the right moment of intent, which we'll talk about in a second. When you hit people at the right place, they start considering you. They're starting to actively think about you. It might not be the right time to convert, but they're on the right track. And that moves all the way down into a customer converting, which is hitting someone at the right place, time, and with the right message. Hitting the nail on the head across the board. This is where you find people. Yes. That might be an impulse buy on social media because you happen to catch them where they had a moment of time to actually do a transaction, they impulse purchased, or they might actually have seeked out your solution. But at this point, this is all you're looking for. The right people, right place, right time, and the right message. But before we can start picking a platform to advertise on, there's a big question you need to ask yourself first. What is your problem solution fit scenario? If you have a solution to an existing problem, people are going to search for you, right? That's where you can start thinking about search platforms like Google Ads. If you have a new solution that nobody has heard of, people are not going to search for your solution, right? They're not aware it exists. They don't even know to consider it. That's where you need to start thinking about social platforms more. And if you're planning on making people aware of a problem they don't know they have, that is going to be an expensive start to paid advertising. And you have to factor that in if you're making people aware or creating a new problem that you have a solution to slot in for. But your problem solution fit scenario really helps you decide how to deliver your content across different platforms. Once you know where you're at with your problem solution fit scenario, 
It's time to start thinking about your budget and where your customers are and what stage of the funnel they're at. Different platforms have different levels of intent and cost as a result of that. Let's say you're a known solution for a known problem and you need to start getting customers fast. Google Ads makes most sense, right? What if you're a new solution to a problem that nobody has heard of? Building out on social makes more sense. This matrix is a generic one I have put together, but depending on your audience, all of this might be different. If you had a crypto startup, Twitter might be a much more intentional an audience than Snapchat, for example. But you get the idea. This part of the puzzle is all about getting you thinking about the right place and time. Once you've selected a platform, it's worth noting that privacy changes have made a significant impact to the data that you can use on those platforms. Most prevalent to that is Meta. So we have to get a little bit more strategic when it comes to being able to find the right people at the right time, in the right place with the right message. For those who don't know, advertisers use a cookie tracking system to monitor your online activity and then target your adverts accordingly. But Apple essentially stopped that from happening by asking users if they would like to opt out of that tracking. This means your messaging and creative is more important than ever before. But also, I would encourage you to look at server-based tracking rather than cookie-based where possible and leverage what's called UTM parameters where you can so that that can support your reporting. Now that you know how to think about your paid ads and where you can dig in in terms of a platform to grow your business, here are some of my favorite little tips that you can look into. Even if you haven't started advertising, these are good thought exercises so that you can think about just how much you can leverage the different platforms. Firstly, we know that creatives are more important than ever. So you need to understand what types of ads and creatives are performing well. I would recommend checking out the Facebook ads library and TikTok ads library so that you can see what's happening in your industry and with your competitors in terms of their creatives. You can search for companies, search across your industry and see what are the high performing creatives in that space. TikTok is a great resource right now because high performing creatives in TikTok are difficult to achieve. So if you come across them there, you know that potentially that's going to work very well across Instagram as well, for example. Google, as of the last few weeks, have also launched their ad transparency network. So you can force a view of another company's ads to come up. And how you do this is maybe search for the company name or a keyword that would force an ad to come up. The key to this is forcing an ad to come up. Unfortunately, there's no site available to just view these ads. So once you have your ad up for the company's ads you wish to see, you can click the little downward arrow next to the ad and click see all ads. Now you can see all the ads they have running on Google ads too. And you can look at that across region as well. Display, video, see whatever they're running. Too often, we think about competitiveness in the ad space. But a great additional tip to know is that you can also share your audiences with other people on Meta and vice versa. So this is a great opportunity to collaborate with businesses that have a similar audience, but not competing offers. Take, for example, a chef and a fitness instructor. They, one might be selling cookbooks, the other fitness classes. Their audience may well very much overlap and they could collaborate on some of their audiences and data so that they can share 
as mentioned, the privacy changes are making a big impact, but there's actually a ton of data you can leverage that has not been impacted. So you can disrupt the data a little bit and manipulate it to work for you. An example of this is on-platform data. The screenshot here shows the difference between your sources of data and meta sources as an example. Essentially, only things that happen away from meta, such as on your website and add to cart is a good example. Maybe someone purchased and you don't want them to see ads anymore. That data is what's impacted. Actions that happen off of meta. But you can still leverage the data that is available on the platform, like audiences of people who've watched a video, engaged with your page, Instagram followers, all of the actions that happen on the platform. A great tip here, create a long form video, roll it out, and then retarget to people who watch 75% or more of the video and use that as your leading indicator for intent for retargeting. If someone goes to your website, goes to a product page, then adds to cart, and you set up a remarketing audience of everyone who added to cart but didn't purchase, that data is what's going to be heavily disrupted. That's what's made remarketing audiences very difficult to continue using. Even though they still perform well, they're not the perfect science that they once were. Lastly, Google is often overlooked as an opportunity to target audiences, but you can create audiences there too. Two options here that are exciting to look at are creating audiences of people who visit certain websites or use certain apps. A great way to build some audiences early on, especially if you don't have much data to begin with. There's so much you can leverage the advertising platforms for. You can experiment with your messaging. You can start getting leads and push into conversions, but it doesn't matter what tactics or options you use. You always need to fall back to these core principles. You need to know your audience well enough to find the right people at the right time, at the right place, with the right message. Here are some additional resources that you can use to dive deeper into any of these topics. Jobs to be done is a fantastic book resource for looking at anything around the customer journey, knowing your customer. Tribe, that book is fantastic for anything around the community side of things. The psychology of persuasion is a fantastic understanding of user behavior and psychology. And Contagious Biology and Everyone Writes are great resources for looking at making your product catchy, understanding your copy, and all of that good stuff. In terms of podcasts, I love the podcast Everyone Hates Marketers. Brains is another great one to look at, even though it only ran for a short time. There's some valuable insights in there. And if you don't have the opportunity or time to read full books, Blinkist is a great alternative to listen to summaries of those as well. Lastly, there's some articles here that you can take a look at around recession marketing using ChatGPT and PPC ad copy. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Jen Bryan, co-founder and CMO of Velocity Growth, where we support startups to Series A companies grow their business through holistic marketing views. Okay, that's a wrap for today's episode. And if you want to see more tactical content, be sure to hit the subscribe button on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. If you want to rate and subscribe, that's great. And if you've got an idea right now, and you're inspired to build an MVP, or an idea that you want to build into an actual company, just apply to my 12 week course founder university at founder.university slash apply. It's free to uh, come to the founder university if you come to all 12 weeks. And we invest $25,000 in the top graduates to help them grow even more. 
Again, you can apply for the upcoming cohort, founder.university/apply. And if you would like to give a tactical talk here on this pod, you can submit your presentation at founder.university/submit.